Christmas Anastasia. Happy Christmas. You know what I learned? Because in the States, we say Merry Christmas. But in the UK, it's all Happy Christmas. And for some reason, I feel like it should be the reverse. Yes, I know what you mean. We should say Happy Christmas here. I think... <laughs> and you should say Merry Christmas. Yeah, I think that's where I've gone with in my brain. Because it is 50-50 in the UK, whether it's Merry Christmas or Happy Christmas. Um, and often it depends on who you're talking to. Um, so, mm. uh, yeah, for me... It just seems Merry Christmas would be more English. It is more English. Happy Christmas is totally American. <laughs> well, you know, that was my assumption too. Hence my Happy Christmas introduction. For you are American, I believe. Well, there we go. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, welcome back. Did you know it's the 2024 season? But Anastasia, it's 2023. Well, that's also what... Alejandro Davidja Fokina said during his post-match interview. <laughs> so the 2024 season has technically started at the end of 2023. And the first, I guess, kind of official match, I don't know if it's the exactly first official match, but ADF um, from Spain is playing in the United Cup and he he defeated, I don't know how to say his name properly. His last name is Vild. Do you yeah, pronounce it Vild? Vild. Vild from um, Brazil. And during his on-court interview, the um, reporter was sort of like, oh, are you excited for the new season? And he's like, it's not the new season. It's still, it's the end of 2023. <laughs> ADF, he's just like us. <laughs> but, it is, but it is the new season because we've had some time off. Um, we've had the tour finals. We've had everything else. And now uh, the the tours are sort of back underway. Um, and we'll be explaining more in a bit about, yeah, what's happening, how the season's going to kick off um, in in 2024. Because, yeah, there's not a lot of events to talk about in terms of results. So it's no, all yeah. about looking to the future. Exactly. It's it's when you everything is so bright and beautiful and bushy-tailed and the future is ahead of you and you're so excited for your favorites to win all of the slams and we do have some news in in that respect um on the wta side but we're jumping ahead today what we're going to talk about because we figured it's the best way to start a season is talking about how you watch tennis like how are you going to watch tennis in 2024 and tennis being tennis there are approximately 174 different ways in which you can watch tennis. <laughs> Slight exaggeration, but um, yes, we. I think what's kind of critical is uh, you. You have to remember with pretty much any other sport, there's usually a united governing body um, with its own marketing team or division that will negotiate rights um, and some such. The only similarity I could think of, like maybe a bit more split, is if you were watching European soccer um, Mm. and like deciding whether you're watching a National League and the Champions League. Tennis, even though there are there is a tour, there are so many different bodies involved in organising it that the actual coverage gets spread across multiple TV stations. And so those bodies are the ATP, who organise the men's tour, the WTA, who organise the women's tour. Each individual Grand Slam negotiates its own separate TV deal. Its own deal, yeah. That's that's kind of what you need to know. The only, so we've done a little bit of research for this show and sort of, you know, where you can watch tennis. Um, And if there's anyone listening from Latin America or South Africa, you are very, very lucky people because you're the only regions that I'm aware of that have tennis all on one channel. Um, which is otherwise lucky yeah, you you're guys. Have to jump around a bit and get multiple <laughs> subscriptions, which is what I'm currently in the process of doing over in the UK. Yeah, yeah, same. I have multiple subscriptions depending on which tour I'm watching, um, what Grand Slam I'm watching, and you know, I think this is a bugbear for a lot of tennis fans who want to follow the tour. So, you know, maybe growing up, at least for me, when I was little. All I watched were the Grand Slams. So it wasn't as, I think, apparent how 
chaotic it could be to watch tennis. And there was a time, and we'll talk about this, where in the States, there was kind of, you could just turn on the TV and there'd be tennis on. Um, But as I've grown older, as I've become more of a fan who wants to follow the tour for all 365 days of the year, you realize there is no one channel that can provide that for you, at least where I live. It's, you have to sort of cobble together this weird streaming, you know, amalgamation to be able to watch every single match that you want to watch when you want to watch it. Because we also have to consider that tennis is a global sport that is played all over the world, all in all different time zones. So it's kind of like, where can you stream it at the time that you want to watch it? It can be a very difficult sport to follow. But where should we start, Nick? Should we just go through our, because I'm in the US, you're in the UK, we can sort of talk about what it's like watching tennis in those regions. So what is it for you in the UK? How, if I was living in the UK, how could I watch tennis? Okay. Well, again, as you said, like it's, it, it, it's about like, being scattered across in different places. You know, when I was, when I was growing up, I would only watch the slams. Uh, you know, when I was, when I first got into tennis at sort of 13, 14, 15, you know, there were about two or three channels I needed to keep an eye on. Um, and then as I, I sort of got older um, and wanted to follow um, tennis all year round, uh, it's uh, become a bit more complicated. So um, I would say the big things that you, I think, would bring, to, we're going to simplify it and we're going to focus on the full slams and the tours in general. Um, I think that's probably the easiest thing to do rather than try and dig dive in and work out where like Billie Jean King Cup is going to be broadcast or um where it's like that you know that, that Davis Cup <laughs> Davis Cup yeah like they um those add in some other things into the mix so in the UK um the easiest slam to watch is Wimbledon unsurprisingly and that's been that is shown on the BBC uh, where basically they pretty much shut down everything else and just show tennis um, so imagine it's so a BBC is obviously is our public service television. It's our main television channel, as it were. It's a bit like imagine if PBS showed the US Open um, in the oh, US. That'd be so great. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. It's a public service to um, show you to show Grand Slam tennis. Uh, but the, yeah. And actually, little tidbit of fact, actually, it is um, UK law that the Wimbledon final has to be on free to air. It has to be on the BBC or a channel that can be accessed without a subscription, um, along with certain Great. other sporting events. So uh, you are in the UK, you're pretty much guaranteed to be able to watch at least the Wimbledon finals. Uh, so, yeah, you've got those. And the BBC coverage is fantastic because you could basically watch any call, whatever you want on their website um, in the UK. Uh, for the Australian Open and the French Open, uh, that you get those by subscribing to Discovery Plus, uh, which it owns Eurosport, um, and uh, in uh, and then for the US Open and for the ATP and WTA tours, mostly you would uh, then you would need to get um, a package that would have Sky Sports, which is a uh, mainly European sort of body, sort of owned by um, I think it's part of the uh, the Rupert Murdoch Empire. Um, okay. So you're, mm-hmm. you're Fox in the states, kind of. It's a sort of a sister um, international group. Yeah, essentially that's where I'd get it now. Uh, so for me, I have bought a subscription to a service that will give me access to Sky Sports Tennis because they have now built a television channel that will only show tennis all day, every day. So kind of like a, a tennis channel vibe where it's just tennis all the time. Kind of, yeah. Okay. But obviously tennis channel's got multiple channels as it were. But right. um, yeah. Sky Sports Tennis is is going to be what where it's at for following the tour. Obviously I'm going to be at the mercy of whatever match they watch. You know, it's not like when I had Amazon Prime and I could pick whichever one I wanted from their streaming options. Um, I mean, I could if I paid a little bit more for Sky. But again, for our, our UK listeners will know Sky is flipping expensive, um, trying to make sure we don't put an explicit tack on this episode. Um, <laughs> and so as a as a kind of a vibe, the cheapest deal I could get to watch Sky for 
on a six month deal um, was £21 a month. Okay. Which uh, is a lot more expensive than when I had Amazon Prime and I was under a tenner. Uh, that gives you a bit of an idea. BBC is is free as long as you pay your TV license, and then Discovery Plus you're paying sort of a again sort of seven eight pounds for a month. You can cancel after a month. Um, mm-hmm. so that's what I generally do for the Australian and the French. Is I'll just buy a subscription for a month. I'll subscribe for a month and then cancel it. That's that's the vibe in the UK. That's that's where um, I would be able to watch it. I will probably be glued to Sky Sports Tennis now. I have that package for most of the year. I, so I guess for you, there are three things. So you you need the BBC. So if you want to watch as much tennis as possible, you have to have the BBC, yep. which is fine. It's free. Yeah, you get Sky it. Standard. Sports. Yeah, Sky Sports. Yeah, Sky Sports. And where, what was the other one? Discovery Plus. Or could you, yeah. or just, and Discovery Plus for the Grand Slam. Yeah. So you I mean, need you, three services. If I, if I bought um, now, there are some higher end Sky packages that I could buy and then have Discovery Plus folded in with it. Uh, ah, but that, okay. But that would probably cost double what I'm paying. Um, right. So there's it, it, it's uh, it's not great, and I've, and that's to watch ninety percent of the tour. If I wanted to watch, um sort of every single have the option to access every single event i'd probably have to subscribe to something like tennis tv as well which is an international channel that shows all of the atp the wta has wta tv as an equivalent but at some point you have to decide how much is too much and realistically i'm thinking am i going to want to watch every single atp 250 no no what am I going to want to watch? I'm going to want to watch the slams. I'm going to want to watch the Masters 1000 events. I'm going to want to watch probably most 500s. And then anything below that will be on a week week on week basis. But like, even, even if uh, I couldn't have access to say uh, the, the Warsaw open, so I could watch eager destroy the field and win a 250. <laughs> um, that's fine. You know, that's the, that's not the end of the world. I can, I can, it's not the end of the world. I'm having the situation at the minute where I don't have tennis TV. I don't have tennis channel because you can get tennis channel in the UK if you wanted it, mm-hmm. um, which means I can't watch the United Cup, which is going on right now. And that's due yeah. to yeah me going, well, actually, it's not worth it for the rest of the year. So why would I have it just for United Cup? Just whereas this, yeah. it's not a slam, um, but I'm still, yeah, I'll still yeah. have access to be able to watch Brisbane, which is probably what Sky's going to show. Maybe bits of Auckland because Emma Raducanu is playing. But yeah, so does that give you as a, a non-UK listener or even someone who's in the yeah. UK who maybe uh, is getting into tennis a good idea of what the landscape is? Yeah, no, it totally does. And it also, then you sort of can decide what's more important to you. Like what part of the tennis tour do you want to follow and where can you sort of put most of your resources to get? And it's very similar, I would say, in the U.S., if maybe a little bit more expensive, as things can be in the U.S. as, as they wow, are. Um, because, I mean, first of all, there's no free way to watch tennis. No, there's no, there's no free way to watch no BBC. Sports, to be <laughs> like, yeah. with the BBC, like the, the U.K. has this weird thing called a TV license. Um, Oh, which, right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which you have to pay for. That's how the BBC is funded. Um, if you want to watch right. live TV. Um, so, and that's £150 a year. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Even though the, yeah. B- the BBC is what you get as standard if you are willing to pay that license fee. Right. Right. So, in the US, how do you watch tennis? Um, I think back in the 90s, I think in the height of sort of. Andre Agassi, Pete Sampras, the Williams sisters were coming up when I think tennis was more popular in the U.S. There are a lot more ways to watch tennis. I think, you know, we have some um, channels just we have um, ESPN, we have NBC, ABC, CBS. Those are like the three big 
the three big channels in the States. And there was a time you could just turn on the TV to CBS Sports or NBC Sports and there was tennis happening. And that's how I started watching tennis because it was just on TV. I think, unfortunately, I think if I was growing up now, if there wasn't sort of a star that I was following or I wanted to, you know, if I was a new fan in the U.S. and there was no Coco Goff, for example, I don't think I would pick up tennis because the barrier to entry of how you just discover tennis is so hard. You can't just discover tennis anymore. You can't just turn on the TV and there's tennis on. Um, and you can be like, what is this? So we have lost that ability a little bit. But if you do want to watch tennis, here are the multitudes of ways you can watch tennis. <laughs> so Grand Slams, the US Open and the Australian Open and Wimbledon, you can watch on ESPN. To get ESPN, you need a cable subscription, um, which still exists in the States. I think a lot of people, you know, they go through the whole cutting of the court thing. So all they have is streaming, but there are cable subscriptions that you can get, or you can subscribe only to ESPN and just get their streaming service. Um, that streaming service for ESPN can run you, you know, $129 a year. And that's just for the Grand Slams. That's just for the Grand Slams. Or if it's part of your cable package, then you can um, um, you can get ESPN that way. But again, a cable package can run you anywhere from $200 a month <laughs> for a cable package, um, depending on what you on, on what you get. Now, the difference I think between watching or having ESPN. And you talked about this a little bit, having ESPN on cable versus just having the streaming service is with the streaming service, I can watch any match I want on any court. If you have it through cable, you have to watch whatever it is they are airing at the time. So you have no choice as to what as to what you want to watch. So that's ESPN and that's for the Grand Slams. The French Open is aired on Tennis Channel. Tennis Channel has the rights in the States for um, for the French Open, but they don't have it for the whole time. So for the first week, you can watch it on Tennis Channel. For the second week, they share the rights with NBC. So you can also then watch the second week on NBC as well, but you can also watch it on Tennis Channel. So they have split ownership of, of that um, package. So that's the Grand Slams. I think also, huh? I have a question on that. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Is there not a similar arrangement? And again, this is someone who's completely out of the loop asking this. Mm-hmm. Is there not a similar arrangement with the US Open and Wimbledon? Isn't there some of like the main channels do show some matches still? Um, I know you probably couldn't watch every match, but you know, could you watch the US Open final and not on ESPN? Like, is it on CBS or you something can- like that, NBC? I'm not sure about the U.S. Open, but Wimbledon, yes. Wimbledon, Wimbledon, yes. Again, so they have these half packages where, again, if you want to watch the first week of any slam, you either have to have ESPN or Tennis Channel. And then when it comes to the second week and they're into the finals and the semifinals and all that, then you can watch for, I think, Wimbledon is ABC. um, French Open is NBC or Peacock. Um, another streaming service. And I don't know about the U.S. Open. I feel like the U.S. Open is an ESPN exclusive, but I would have to double check that. Again, there are multiple ways to watch all these things. So unfortunately, it's like pick your poison. Um, But I would, in terms of, I'm going to talk about if you want to watch the whole thing in one place, because again, if you don't have ESPN and you just have NBC, you're just stuck with like, what they decide to show in the in the second week. And here's the thing too. If an American doesn't make it to the second week, good luck. <laughs> They're not, you know, they probably won't show, they probably won't show the matches. Or even worse, which I've experienced this before, is because of advertising deals and and you know, if there's a football game happening or a baseball game, they might just cut to the baseball game or cut to the football game in the middle in the middle of your tennis match because tennis matches as we know can run pretty long and i think also that's kind of 
uh, a part I would like to talk about, about why it is so difficult to, especially in the States, have tennis on just regular television. If a match is going to go five hours, how is a cable company supposed to decide, well, are we just going to air it for five hours, but there's other stuff going on that they need to cover. They have, you know, advertising commitments to different brands and all this stuff. So I don't like watching tennis on an ABC, CBS or NBC because their priorities are not the tennis. Their priority is to their advertisers and to what other brand deals they have. So if your match is going too long, they'll just cut to something else (laughs) and then you're, you're stuck. Which I could see, I could see happening. I mean, it does like, it's not that bad in the UK when it's Wimbledon, like the only like Mm -hmm. main channel is the BBC with Wimbledon. Um, And like, you've got the BBC have four channels and two of them get dedicated to tennis pretty much the entire day, all day. And if any matches overrun late into the evening, like they've deliberately scheduled reruns afterwards, they could just chuck those Mm -hmm. or move them over. Like sometimes maybe they'll move everything over onto one, like BBC two or something. Um, If there's like a Reggie scheduled thing that they want to go out, like a their evening talk Mm -hmm. show or whatever. Um, But, and then sometimes, yeah, they'll, they'll move on like what the big thing is and bump, bump it to, the streaming service or the website. Um, so I have experienced that. We're like, no, I want to watch, I was following that match, but um, yeah, not quite as bad as, nope, that's it. Your time's up. That's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> something else is playing and you're like, oh my goodness. Okay. So, and that goes for all sort of terrestrial, I think, cable channels in the States where, you know, I say, if you want to watch tennis and watch the whole match from beginning to end, just stick to a streaming service because if you're relying on terrestrial TV, um, you're subject to it just being cut off to something else. So that's mostly the Grand Slam. So those are the various ways of which you can watch the Grand Slams in the States. Now, for the rest of the tour, you have to have either a tennis channel or a tennis TV to watch the rest of the tour. I have both. Because I like commentary on tennis TV. It's, I think... I love the app better. It's a little easier to navigate for me. And I can just pick, oh, I want to watch this 250 or this 500 or whatever is happening. And then I can just go to that and see all the matches that are happening at that time and pick which one I want to watch. I think tennis TV is is set up in a very nice way. Um, the unfortunate thing, so uh, the first service I ever got was tennis TV and I think we've talked about this before. I wasn't really watching WTA matches as much. So I didn't, I I was fine. I didn't really miss it. But the more I started following the WTA tour, I was like, wait, I want to follow their matches and I want to watch that. Well, how do you watch that? You need another service. (laughs) So we don't have WTA TV in the States. So we had to go to, I had to go to the tennis channel and tennis channel. There are two different ways you can watch actually three different ways, but ways you can have tennis channel in the States. You can have it through a cable subscription. And when you have tennis channel through a cable subscription, you are subject to what they have on. I think that's why you'll see a lot on social media sometimes where people get up in arms because they were watching a tennis match and then they cut to pickleball or they were, or they didn't have the exact match that they wanted you know, playing at the time. So with tennis channel on cable, you are subject to their programming. You're subject to whatever they have on at that time. And they have two channels. They have tennis channel and then tennis TC2, basically. And TC2 is where they kind of will show maybe courts, other courts on, on, um, during the tournaments or maybe a match that's not as popular, but there again, you're also just subject to what they what they put on there. You you have no choice in the situation. TC2 also just started being free. Not free. Nothing's free in this world. Um, But if you have Amazon Prime in the States, you can now watch TC2 on Amazon Prime um, as just part part of their package. So that's a way you can watch tennis. But again, you have no control over what's on there. Um, 
The other way you can have Tennis Channel is getting Tennis Channel Plus, which is their subscription service, which is how I have it, where they just have all the matches, all the courts, all the tournaments, and you can just pick and choose which one um, you want to watch there. The lovely thing about TC Plus is because because Tennis Channel covers the French Open, that's actually where I watch most of the French Open matches because trying to figure out what they're going to show on cable is, you know, you have no choice in what court they they pick. Um, so TC Plus is where I think you should go if you're in the States and want to watch WTA matches and ATP matches. So that's a thing. So you might be asking Anastasia, you have Tennis Channel Plus. Why do you still have Tennis TV? And it's for me, it's it's two things. It's the commentary. I prefer the commentary, the commentators on tennis TV uh, to tennis channel. And tennis channel has an incredible delay, like an incredible delay. Like sometimes a whole game, <laughs> they're they're behind. Right. So that can be so irritating as someone like me who who follows social media a lot and literally I'm in the middle of a match and I get an alert that someone else won. And I'm like, but I just, uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, Tennis Channel is not my favorite. If the WTA was on Tennis TV, I would ditch Tennis Channel immediately. Um, but unfortunately, if I want to watch WTA matches, I still have to have um, Tennis Channel. So... Those are the different ways that you can watch, you know, tennis in the States. And as you can see, it's, I mean, it's a lot. You have to pick and choose. I think the easiest way to go is if you want to watch the most tennis possible, if you're a new tennis fan and you just want to watch the most tennis possible and you get Roland Garros as well, Tennis Channel is the way to go if you're in the States. Just get a subscription to Tennis Channel Plus. You will be covered. Unfortunately, once it gets to the U.S. Open, which is our local Grand Slam, you then need to make sure you have ESPN in order to get. Um, yeah, I was going to ask that because well. so you're saying the Tennis Channel has the Australian Open and Wimbledon coverage as well. No, they don't at all. They don't. Just okay. Roland Garros. Yeah, yeah. just Roland okay. Garros. Only so, Slam they've got. You know, so ironically, tennis t- Tennis Channel is very much for the. Tennis fan, it's for the tennis fans who want to follow everything. Um, everything, yeah. And, or yeah. everything else, I should say. It depends on how much you care about anything outside of the, the Grand Slams, really. Um, exactly, uh, yeah. So if you if you want to follow only one Grand Slam, the US Open, I would say definitely get Tennis Channel because it'll throw in the French Open for free there. Free. It'll throw in the... French Open and you can, you know, watch a bit of clay and stuff. But yeah, I think an added wrench into this also is and is the Olympics this year. Yes. So the Olympics is this year. I'm going to be really fascinated to see how it's handled, where where I can watch the because technically NBC has rights to the to the Olympics and. You can usually just watch whatever, but I'm just how they're going to cover the tennis and where they're going to put it I if I want to watch every single match. The tennis coverage is uh, usually wrapped up in uh, the broadcast deal of the Olympics. So yeah. I know in the UK, it'll be on the BBC. Um, and the BBC oh, will basically offer, yeah, whatever coverage you want. Again, the Olympics is one of those, has to be on the TV somewhere. So uh, yeah, the BBC web, yeah. the BBC website will be on point of call. They will pretty much have every sport of the Olympics going on that you can watch whenever you want. Um, so I would imagine if the Olympics got a similar deal with NBC, that's where you'll find your Olympic tennis. Yeah, it's probably going to be because so Peacock is a streaming service of NBC. I have a feeling that that's going to be what happens is that a lot of stuff will just be streaming all day all day long on Peacock. So something to consider this year in particular being a, a, an Olympic year. I want something I wanted to pick up on something you said earlier was, you know, nothing is free. I don't think any of us expect anything to be free. Um, and this is yeah. a little bit of a, a bee in my body because sometimes when I, when I post on social media about the decisions I've made um, for, um, like when I'm watching for like what I've subscribed to and things like that, or like, you know, 
one of the big things in the UK was when tennis moved from Amazon Prime to Sky Sports and the price to follow the sport tripled, min- mm-hmm. tripled or quadrupled. You know, that's more the issue I have rather than having to pay for it. Like, <laughs> I think, uh, I, and this is things for like, you know, I think people listening in are going, oh my gosh, I can't deal with all that. Like, that's uh, that's something else on top of it. Like, it's a sport at the end of the day. If you can't afford it, you can't afford it. But yeah. it, it's down to what you prioritise. We'll keep you up to date with everything you, you want to. Um, and there are other ways of following the sport other than uh, watching it and mm-hmm. watching it live. Like for years, I, you know, just followed the ATP website. Um, you know, when I was a lot younger, I didn't have a subscription that would cover the US Open. That was the one slam of the year I had to miss. Yeah. Um but, you know, it's it's something that's it dawned on me as being important uh, was, A, can you afford to watch everything? Are you available to watch everything? No, because you're working. Like both Anastasia and I have jobs, not in tennis. And our employers, yeah. although very sympathetic, would not be super understanding if uh, we suddenly stopped working. We spent all day watching tennis. <laughs> um yeah yeah I mean, it's it, we've come close a couple of times but the um but also you know uh, someone i know on tennis twitter is um vision impaired um and so actually being able to watch the sports a physical impossibility for them um so there are ways around that um you can there are radio services i don't know what um public radio is like in the us again there's three letters in the uk bbc they usually have radio coverage of every single slam. Wimbledon's pretty extensive, but they have a channel called Five Live, which is just dedicated to live news and sport all day. Um, so that's where they'll do the sports coverage. And so that's where I've listened to, followed a lot of tennis over the years is, I can't watch, I'll stick the radio on and stick it in my ears. Each Grand Slam also has its own radio station. So radio, so Australian Open Radio, Radio Roman Garros, uh, Wimbledon Radio, US Open Radio, um and actually the content on there is pretty good but I, I can mainly speak for Roland Garros I really enjoy listening to Radio Roland Garros when that's on there isn't really one for the tour um anymore there used to be an ATP radio but that has been gone for about five years now or you can or there's our trusty friend YouTube and no I'm not talking about when someone sticks a match on YouTube for the stream to be taken down within five minutes yeah but not that we don't support are, that <laughs> No, we don't, really don't, um, for multiple reasons. Um, yes. It's not the best way of watching the sport, primarily. Um, and there's a re- like, if something is free, it's probably not good quality. Um, so, yes. uh, And also, also, just a little sort of soapbox moment on that, because I am someone, my job is in the media, and people, you know, I think you, you mentioned it a little bit, just picking up on the fact that I said nothing's free and stuff. I just, it's really important to understand why I personally and Nick as well, it seems, doesn't, we don't support sort of illegal streams of matches and stuff because this is, this is a product that someone produced in order to sort of create revenue for the tours. So it's not, you know... They're just not putting tennis on for the fun of it. It's a business. It's people's jobs. It's people's livelihoods. It's the tennis players' livelihoods and their jobs. And so I think it's really important to understand that we're not just saying nothing's free just because it's it's people's livelihoods. And it's it's important to respect that and respect the work that they're doing. And if you can afford it, pay for it. You know, otherwise there are other ways in which you can consume tennis for either a low cost or free, which I think Nick is going to go into because we do have our friend YouTube and some really great channels where you can almost like radio stream tennis and listen to to commentary on matches. Absolutely. So one of those YouTube channels is how Anastasia and I met. Uh, we've mentioned them a couple of times talking tennis what they tend to do is yeah they'll have a live stream they'll put a live stream on and there'll be occasionally one but it's usually two people having a chat whilst watching the match and that's we're set up by a guy called john silk who you've heard on the show before and yeah that's generally uh they, they tend to have a try and have a 
um, a universal coverage where they'll, they'll try and have a commentary of the big matches. And so I'm one of those YouTube commentators. So it's Anastasia, um, probably I do it more frequently, uh, but like yeah. I'm very conscious of when I'm doing it that I'm going to, I'm going to assume at least half the audience isn't watching any of the pictures because they can't. That's what I've done in the past. Um, like when I was on YouTube, you know, there's um, tennis talk with Cam Williams. He was the first really big tennis streamer and he's still going. He's on YouTube and Twitch. Um, very enthusiastic Australian commentator. He's going to be absolutely loving life now. Tennis is in Australia. Um, yeah. Really, <laughs> his sleep really... schedule is going to be so good. I, his neighbours hate him, apparently. So uh, um, oh, really? <laughs> when, he's, when, he's not, when it's not in Australia. Um, there's a couple of others as well, like Game to Love is um, a series of streams, uh, tennis streaming uh, commentary that Talking Tennis kind of came from. So um, John, who set it up, was originally part of them. Still a great group of guys. And there's also uh, Quality Shot Tennis, who've just started out. We've partnered up with them a couple of times. But yeah, there's there's definitely YouTube streamers out there who do know what they're talking about. The great thing about it is they're very easily interactable with as well. So they and they will do their very best to bring you bring the match to life for you if you can't physically watch it for one reason or another. So yeah, um, and as Stasi was saying earlier before we started recording that you know, you started. No, yeah, you used to put YouTube streams on when you were working. Yeah, yeah, it's you know again. Like Nick said, we both have jobs. We can't watch tennis 24-7. But I wanted a way to still follow matches while I'm at work, just listening, like passively, you know, listening to the match. And that's how I discovered Cam Williams. Because I was like, how do I, you know, is there a radio station or what? And I just discovered him on YouTube. And he was so dynamic. And his commentary is very... Um, exciting and he almost brings you into the match which is a really great quality to have Um, I have to say there are some times where I'm at home and I could be watching the match but I just put him on because I'm cleaning the house or I'm doing something and I can't just sit in front of the television and I still feel like I watched the match you know what I mean so I think there are definitely ways in which you can consume tennis at a low cost um resorting to legal streams that will be shut down in five minutes. <laughs> um, and that's not really the best way to watch tennis. And I think it's really important to, if you are a fan and you are supporting the tours and you're, you're supporting your favorite players, watching it in the right way is important as well because you know you want to keep the sport going and that's how they keep the sport going is through media deals um, for the most part. Exactly. I think the main conclusion from this, because obviously we've been talking about this for a while, is because tennis is so spread out and unless you have the money, if you have the money to pay for everything, great. If you don't, pick the stuff that's going to give you the coverage, either the most coverage possible or the coverage that you're most interested in. If you just want to watch the slams, that's simple. Well, it's not that simple in the US, but like um, if you just want to watch the slams (laughs) in the US, get ESPN, do a one-off subscription tennis channel once once a year. Um, if you're in the yeah. UK, you've got the BBC, Put stick a couple of subscriptions to Discovery Plus a couple of months and then buy a day pass on Now TV or something for get Sky access for to watch the US Open final or something. Yeah, that's kind of where I think we're going to we're going to land with that. And if you can't uh, necessarily watch it, watch it, then there's radio stations or there's YouTube out there. I think that's a nice little summary for you. But hopefully you still want to watch tennis and if so go and check those different websites out for um for it yeah um speaking of tennis what's been happening well because we did have the off season but we did well the off season ended today um so we are recording this on the 29th of december and today is the first is, is day one of the united cup which is the first tennis event of the 2024 season. We've had a few exhibitions in the last few weeks in like the Middle East and whatnot. So Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic had a match. Uh, Anshu Berber and Arena Sabalenka also had a match. But the focus now is the tennis that is started to happen. So I believe the tennis season is, if I'm looking at the time now, is about 14 hours old. Yeah. Uh, already. And we've had uh, about six tennis matches already. But... Anastasia, do you want to explain what the United Cup is? So the United Cup 
is a group event. So it is an ATP NWTA event, a la the Davis Cup or Billie Jean King Cup. Players are playing for their or representing their country in group stages. So it's it's structured very much like Davis Cup, um, Billie Jean King Cup in kind of sort of like a World Cup kind of uh, oh. like format where there are different groups. I think they're, are they? There's six. six. Do, you want to, do you want me to do this? Yeah. So okay. There are <laughs> There's six, six groups. different groups. <laughs> There's six groups with three countries in each group. Um, in each each group, country yeah. will play each other once. And then the winners of each group will advance to the quarterfinals with the highest performing second place groups uh, in the groups going through to the quarterfinals as well. And then it goes into a knockout yeah. phase. So it's, it's, it's very much, you're right, Anastasia, a very condensed version of Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup because they tend to be... It's basically like, like, yeah. if the Davis Cup, yeah, if the Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup had a baby, it would be the United Cup. Yes, it would. I think there's a couple of things that's kind of critical here is like, really, it's another one. And I think that's kind of been some of the discourse around this. It's another one. Um, here's, here's the key differences. One, it's men and women playing on the team together, unlike Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup where they are separated. You know, uh, so, you know, you have um, a men's singles match, a women's singles match, and then a mixed doubles match to decide as the last match. Um, the other yeah. key thing to note about the United Cup is this event counts towards world rankings, whereas Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup don't. Yeah, That's something else to bear in mind is suddenly that ends up attracting a lot of players, not just because there's points in offer, but also because uh, it's actually a pretty good warm-up because it's in Australia, pretty good event to set up your season, which as soon as, pretty much, because pretty much as soon as the tennis season starts, we're in Grand Slam prep because we're heading for the Australian Open at the end of January. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, speaking of attracting um, a lot of players this year, um, the field is 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 very stacked. You have um, Djokovic is playing, um, Iga is playing, Taylor Fritz and Jessica, and Jessica Pagula, who are the reigning champions from last year, they're playing again. Um, you have Pass, you have FAA. It's a very, you know, who's who of tennis. So it's a really great tournament to follow um, if you want to kind of your favorites and also kind of get a sense of where people are at at the beginning of the season. You know, we've already had a few matches that already I've been very impressed by. We had um, Alejandro Davidovic Fokina. He has such a big name, but I'm just going to shorten that to ADF. He played his first match um, against Vild, who's, who's a Brazilian player, and he played phenomenal. You know, it was one of those two set matches where it, I think the score was six, four, six love. And it was one of those matches where I think for me watching, having watched uh, ADF all through last season, it was one of those matches that he could have lost. You know, I've seen him lose that match, those sort of matches before. If anyone remembers his Wimbledon match against a Holgeruna where he, he, he sort of threw in an underarm serve in a very, very unfortunate part of the match and ended up losing it. Um, it really, sh- you know, it was a great sort of showing and you thought, wow, if he can hold up this mental, if he can hold up like this mentally and actually win a match in straight sets definitively, this could be a good year for him. He's also changed sponsors. He's now repped by Adidas. So that was fun to see. Um, and then the other match I watched from United Cup was Katie Bolter. Katie Bolter played against Isla Tomjanovic, who Isla's coming back from knee injury. She played one match, two matches. No, she actually won a tournament at the end of last season. I think it was it one, two, five or kind of a WTA challenger. Friends. Yeah, it was a pretty low stakes event. Right, exactly. But, you know, so she's coming back from injury and Katie Bolter just in straight sets, very definitive win, really played phenomenal tennis. And as someone who has sort of been injury prone herself last year, made a little bit of a comeback. It's I think she entered the top 50 for the first time last year. It's nice to see her start her season well, and hopefully this might be a good season for her. It would also be nice if we have two Brits. 
I don't think we've ever had two female Brits in like, in like playing competitively as long as I can remember anyway. And I only say that because Emma Emma Redkanu is coming back in history. Yes. In all of history, but not since I can remember. Yeah. Um, Before we were born, we had in the seventies, Virginia Wade and Sue Barker, who were both grand slam champions. Um, But yeah, you're right. Since then, British tennis, British women's tennis hasn't. We've struggled to find players who will break top fifty. Um, there was a player called Joe right. Jury in the eighties, um, but then yes, you're right. Since then, like we've had a couple of people who's who's who flirted with the top fifty, but not quite made it. Um, the uh, but yeah, now we've got well, Emma Khan is not there at the minute because she's not played in nearly a year. She's not, um, but if you've but seen Katie those Bolt practice videos. Yeah. So yeah, it was really nice to see Katie Walter, but also it was nice to see Ilya Tomenyavidev back, which if anyone remembers from Breakpoint fame, you know, she's the one who beat Serena and took her out of the US Open. You know, she kind of retired Serena, as they say. Um, And, you know, she had a very slow start to the match. But in the end, even though she lost, like, I think it was her, the game to take the match to 5-4, she won, she won her service game to take it to 5-4. And it, I remember she went back to her, she went back to the bench and um, the the coach or the captain for the Australian team is Leighton Hewitt. And he was telling her that, you know, oh, that was a good game. Like, and she was like, yeah, I wish I found that earlier <laughs> before <laughs> 5-4. Because it's really hard to get a match back when you're, you know, you're down 5-4 and you already lost the first set. But it was kind of, you could see her warming up into her game. And you're sort of like, okay, this is a good start. And this is a warm-up event. So it's kind of perfect for her to have this so that going into the Australian Open, maybe she she kind of gets some match some match play in and and can have maybe a better showing at the Australian Open. But for what we've seen so far in the United Cup, it's 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 been good. It's been good. Yeah, it definitely has been uh pretty good. Um and you know it was really good last year um as well. I really enjoyed watching it last year. Um and I think there's gonna be some some really fun clashes and matches uh, this year as well. Um, obviously, two of my favourite players are involved, so they're always going to provide some entertainment. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, I think it kind of, it's got that vibe of a big event, even though it's only a couple of years old. Um, yeah. Which I think is, it's going to make it, uh, yeah, incredibly incredibly fun to follow uh, this season so yeah i would say you know we've got lots of you know about 18 countries involved um and actually you know um if gb and the us are going to play each other at some point this they week. are so uh yes. that's going to be and then anastasia and nick are not going to talk to each other for the whole time <laughs> and you know I, I'm going to say something. I'm fully expecting <laughs> the US to win that one. We do have Fritz and Pagula, so it's going to be it's going to be tough. But then, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Katie well, Bolter yeah. was looking good. Katie Bolter is looking good. I still think Jesse Pagula will be the favorite when they play. Um, yeah, Fritz Nori could go in either direction, though. I didn't even talk about Nori. That was considering how Cam Nori ended last season. I was not expecting how he played against Alex de Menor to happen. He, so he beat Alex de Menor um, in three sets. Three sets, yeah, deciding set tiebreak. Yeah. By the way, and um, this is what? Australia, by the way. So this is GB versus Australia. Um, the minute. Mm-hmm. So yeah, GB, Australia, and US all in one group. We're all in one group. Like who, the draw is rigged, guys. The draw is rigged. Why would those three countries be in the same group? <laughs> but um, but yeah, so exciting things happening at United Cup. You know, watch it if you can. How do you watch? I think now we can start talking about how you watch all these things. United Cup yes. is on tennis TV. Yes. It's the one time you're going to get the WTA players, you know, being shown on tennis TV. So you can watch it on tennis TV. You can also watch it on tennis channel as well same same in the uk oh same in the uk nice 
Um, two other tournaments coming, or three actually. Several. Yeah, there's about three other tournaments. Um, the big one has also got both the men and the women playing, uh, which is rare for mm-hmm. some other event that size. But um, but this, this is, is one, uh, this, this is the tournament. Brisbane. This is Brisbane, um, which is a WTA 500 and an ATP 250. Um, from looking at the fields. Um, it tends to, it, this seems to be where a lot of the, um, the women who are from Russia and Belarus, which were not allowed to enter teams in the United Cup for obvious reasons, um, are going to be doing their warm ups, including, um, Arena Sabalenka, Elena Rabakina, the finalists from, uh, last year. I mean, Rabakina's from Kazakhstan, but they didn't make the United Cup, and I think they entered. Also, players like Yelena Ostapenko, uh, Victoria Zarenka, um, Mira Andreva is playing. I didn't add her into the list I originally made, but she's there. Um, you know, you've got Holger Runa there. And Ben Shelton is playing in Brisbane. Um, so that's some young star factor. But... Drum roll, please. But two Grand Slam champions are making a comeback from a lo- after a long time away. Yeah. Anastasia is very excited about one of them. Who is it, Who is it Anastasia? Rafael Nadal is returning to the tour. He's back, My baby. excitement, he's back. He's back. And um, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, unfortunately for Sinner and Alcaraz, I feel like this is not going to be their year because it's going to be Nadal's year, okay? <laughs> it's going to be it's gonna be Nadal's year, guys. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting year for Nadal and his fans like Anastasia is um, because it might be his last one. Yeah, it could be his last one. I mean, there are a few players like that this year that unfortunately I'm like, oh my God, it could be their last, you know, Andy Murray as well, who is also playing um, in Brisbane. Um, so there are a few players to watch definitely that this might be it for them. You know, they are reaching that age, but who knows, you know, they could play till they're 40. Um, Nadal's pretty much said, I think when he announced he wasn't playing the French Open last year, that yeah. when he comes to play in 2024, he's treating it like it's the last year. Yeah, he is going to. But then he also said in an interview recently, he was like, well, who knows? I'm like, Nadal, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this, Nadal. Um, but no, I am super excited to see him play. I'm not expecting anything at all. I just miss him on court. So, um, and I think that's just how I'm going to treat it. I'm not out here saying he's going to win. I'm actually not even saying he's going to win the French Open, you know, which is his slam. But I just missed him on court last year, and it would be nice to see him playing again and just being competitive. So here's a question. I'm excited to yes. Here's a question. So this is for fan. Obviously, we're we're here for new fans. So if you start listening to us and following tennis with us, obviously we started back in sort of September. Um, mm-hmm. If you recently, even if you joined the tour in sort of the last almost two, maybe not two years, but maybe year and a half. You probably wouldn't have seen had very many opportunities to see Nadal play, actually, because after the French Open and no, after Wimbledon in twenty twenty two, he wasn't on court much um, and was barely no. winning matches, which is why I had to take some time off. What's watching Nadal play like? Um, <laughs> I mean, ugh. and that's actually this is why I like Carlos Alcaraz because it was very much that I think Carlos is a little bit showman-y. So he's like a showman version of Nadal, but Nadal is one of the most intense players you could ever watch playing tennis. Like he is not, he's not smiling. He's not an Alcaraz. He's like just smiling on court and running around. He's a very intense player very sort of power forward. It's it's a, a lot of the reasons why a lot of people are surprised that he's been around for so long because his game is so aggressive and so powerful, just the way he plays. Um, and I, it, it's very dynamic. It's, I don't know, it, you feel something when you watch. Because I feel sometimes you could think tennis is just hitting a ball back and forth until someone wins the point. But within the doll, it's it's always sort of you're sitting at the edge of your seat, just in it and wondering what could possibly happen next. He's a very sort of and it's not everyone's style. Not everyone likes an aggressive kind of player, but but that's that's Nadal. 
um, for you. So I, I think he's he's very meticulous and a very exciting watch for sure. And that, that's why I wanted to ask because I wanted to hear from someone who who loves watching him play because you know this is not cheap to go to watch him again because he's going to be playing this year. He's not going to be playing many events, but um, he's definitely going to be at the slams yeah. if he can. Um, yeah, he probably will have more of a, a Djokovic schedule where it's yeah. mostly the slams and then maybe a warm up event kind of thing. Yeah, he'll he'll probably do a little bit more clay, um, like especially when Barcelona, because the main court's named after him. As an aside, yes, Nadal does make you feel things, and I'm saying this speaking as a Roger Federer fan and uh, watching those matches <laughs> that they had um, over the years. Yeah. Uh, so, um, oh, it's a shame we didn't start this when Roger was still playing. But anyway. Um, I know. <laughs> but I will say, because you can find it places, if you truly are a new fan, like you started listening to us, you're new to tennis, you haven't watched it all play, go back and watch the twenty, the 2008 Wimbledon final against Nadal and Federer. Documentaries have been made about it. Just watch that match and you'll see what people feel when they, when they, um, be aware it is four or five hours long. So you might want to break it up or dedicate or like dedicate a Sunday afternoon to it because to it and just understand that welcome to tennis. This is how long it can take sometimes. (laughs) It's one of those wonderful occasions where a long tennis match was also breathtaking and they were playing, both guys were playing so well for the entire time that it was worth it. And it is worth it. Totally. Um, I haven't watched it in years, actually. I need to go back. Um, um, I just wanted to also say for um, Brisbane, um, Naomi Saka is coming back. Um, two-time US Open champion, four-time Grand Slam champion. Um, she's back. Um, she's had a baby. She's immediately hit the court and she's ready to come back and show what can she give. She's been a little bit on and off for the last again similar amount of time for one reason or another and I think uh but she seems sort of motivated to come back which is nice to see yeah another mom coming back that we didn't talk about um at the United Cup is Angie Kerber yes she's coming back to play for Germany so that that's another so we have a few comebacks this year actually we have a few players to watch who uh, are coming back and if we base this off of a certain mom Alina Svitolina who came back last season it should be exciting to see all these comebacks and Carolyn Wozniacki in the US Open as well and Carolyn yeah yeah well, there was a combination of different things there. Like she, she, she became a mum, but also she was injured. So there was a bit of both going on there. So yeah, there's two other tournaments happening. They're both two fifties. Uh, one ATP, one WTA. Um, Anastasia, do you want to talk the ATP one? I'll talk the WTA one. So um, weirdly, most of the season is mostly starting in Australia, and New Zealand, um, but we do have a one outlier, which is the ATP two fifty in Hong Kong. Um, that is happening from the 1st to the 7th of January. Um, there are a few names there that are, um, like you would think, oh, everyone's going to be in Australia, but there are actually a few big names, um, starting there. I had this, sorry, I had it up and running, but then I, I've got it in front of me if you want to. Um, who's playing in, um, Hong Kong? Uh, so the big names that I've uh, identified as uh, might be interesting: Andre Rublev, top ten player, world number five; Karen Hachanov, um, US Open semi-finalist from 2022, and uh, Australian Open semi-finalist 2023. Um, Francis Tiafo is there, obviously big American interest, one of my favourite players to watch, um, and a com- another. Man making a comeback, the 2014 US Open champion Marin Cilic, who has barely played for the last year or so. So he's trying to get his yeah. end of career back on track in a similar way to Nadal and Murray. That was the name I saw and literally was like, I was like, didn't he retire? But then I remember he didn't. He was just injured for so long and we just haven't seen him on tour. So that should be an interesting um, return as well. We also have Arthur Feast, Chris Eubanks, Lorenzo Musetti 
to round out the field. Um, yeah. And then in uh, the WTA, um, they're having a tournament in New Zealand. And I think the main headline names are basically mums and young talent. Um, it's basically, <laughs> there's no in between. Who's going to win? The moms are going to win. <laughs> <laughs> So the mums. I'm calling um, 2024 the year of the moms, by the way. The moms are coming. (laughs) Uh, I mean, look, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Uh, So, yeah, so Elena Svitolina and Caroline Vosniaki, two names we mentioned earlier when we were talking about mums in tennis, they're playing. Um, Svitolina is the second seed. Vosniaki is uh, returning to Australia, Australia, New Zealand area where she's had a lot of success in the past. But also we've got a lot of, uh, we've also got some uh, in- important names. Um, Amanda Anunis-Samova, um, who is a very young, promising American player. Um, well, not that Very young, surprising what? comeback. She, she's like, you know, she's early 20s, right? Yeah, early 20s. Yeah, I'm trying to remember how old she is. I think I remember getting her to get into the French Open semis super young, like 17. I think that was four years ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think she's 21, 22 now. Yeah. Very surprising comeback for me because I thought she was done. Um, I don't know if you follow any of it, but like I think a year ago, a couple of years ago, she kind of put up a post, a social media post where she was taking time away from tennis. It seemed to be sort of a mental break a little bit. And I just thought she was not coming back. So I was very surprised to see her in the draw for this. A lot of people thought similar things about Osaka um, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And Samova is definitely like, it's been documented. She's had a, t- a rough few years. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't want to do it anymore, but she seems to, you know, she seems to still want to play, want to give it a go. And um, yeah. kind of, she had some really good results a couple of years ago. So um, I, I'm i here to see what she can do and I'm excited about it. But of course, the big headline names are Coco Goff is the top seed in Auckland. She's going to be drawing a lot of attention. The other name, returning from a long injury layoff after having surgery on two wrists and an ankle, is Emma Raducanu, uh, who we yeah. mentioned a little bit earlier. And yeah, she's out to prove that she's not young, one and done, burned out too quickly yeah. type player. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. Just listening to all these names, having you know, watched a few matches. I do have to say I was very slow to sort of pick up tennis again in the new season, but I remember turning on the TV and being like, oh, I guess the United Cup is on, so I'll watch. It's very exciting. Just the storylines, the like, the comebacks, the moms coming back, the the sort of older players who might be retiring. You know, I think 2024 is going to be a year where there are going to be a lot of storylines and I almost feel we don't, there's no predicting where it goes. There's no predicting where it goes. Does Nadal retire this year or does he keep going because he has a great season? Does Emma Raducanu put, her, put herself back in the top 50, top, you know, of tennis? Naomi Osaka kind of reinvigorate her career and her love for tennis and now even more than she ever did before a lot of storylines and I think it's such a perfect time to be a new tennis fan and following the sport because there's so many different types and styles of players that you can latch onto and follow them through an entire season. We haven't even talked of Quinn Wen-Jen. We really didn't mention too much of Arthur Feast, like so many things to cover. And we will be back in a couple of weeks where we're going to be previewing the Australian Open where I feel like we definitely will go down the field and talk about all the people to be following. Yes. And there's going to be a lot of people to be following. We may well be just shouting, like listing off a load of names at you. Um, kind of like we have here. I mean, like this is a crazy week in tennis. The first week back is almost as busy as a grand slam because everyone's playing because they want to get yeah. hit the ground running with their seasons. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a clean slate for everyone. That's why it's so hard to predict. And that's why the tennis this week is going to be really, really good. And I hope, um, everyone can, listening can follow it and we'll try and let you know how to follow it. Obviously, we're not, we'll probably focus on the US and the UK, but if you, uh, you do want to know maybe like, Hey, can you help me research how to watch tennis in my country? I'm happy for you to message me on, uh, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, we have our Grants Pass Instagram as well. Um, Grand yeah. Pass. We're happy to 
to do that. But I think and the, well, I was going to say no. Go ahead. I was going to say the main thing is uh, to enjoy the tennis this week, um, and uh, hopefully you'll be enjoying it with us. Yeah, and a final note is I feel like this podcast, this style of podcast, does well with participation. For the first episode of the new season, I want to encourage all our listeners, new, old, to participate more. What do you want from us this season? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to learn about? Um, What questions do you have? What commentary do you have? So please rate and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a note um, in the reviews. Send us um, a message on all of our social media channels, which I will post in the podcast description. We will probably have an email soon. So you can email us as well. Um, But yeah, we would love to hear what interests you about tennis, what you want to see, what you want to learn about, because then that will help us, you know, provide better content for you that you want to, that you want to listen to. So be in touch. Don't be afraid. No question is stupid. (laughs) I I love that saying, but, um, but yeah, totally be in touch. Okay. Look forward to hearing from you all. It's been another ground pass podcast. And it's been another epic. Thanks, Anastasia. Bye. Bye.